Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. I want to give you an update on our celebration offering. As many of you know, we've, at the end of every year, we take a celebration offering. This year, we're dedicating the funds to purchase the empty lot next to the Life Center Church in the town of Lucknow in Uttar Pradesh, India. And uh, it's uh, been a big project for us. The, the lot itself costs 100000 There's some fees and stuff involved, about another 10000 And so we've been uh, partnering with the Life Church uh, there in Lucknow and also a couple other churches here in the States to raise enough money to be able to purchase that lot. It's very crucial for them that they get that. And last time I uh, told you, I think the total was uh, just over $42,000. And I'm happy to tell you today that what we've raised here at Rockbrook is over $72,000. Yeah, yeah, that is so cool, that is so cool. Uh, It's actually $72,003.34. And uh, I just thank God for every penny of that. Thank you and your generosity. You're just tremendously generous. God's been so good to us. And so we're really celebrating uh, with that and uh, look forward to making that happen for the Life Center Church there. Uh, Today we're going to conclude our uh, series on the benefits of being stuck. And one of the things that happens uh, in our lives is things can get uh, too complicated Uh, In fact, our lives can get mired down with all that's going on uh, around us. I mean, has your life gotten more complicated? Uh, I'll tell you honestly, mine has. And, um, uh, you know, I wear glasses, and my glasses go over my ears. And I recently got hearing aids, and the hearing aids uh, also go over my ears. And uh, I left the hearing aid doctor's office, and I put my mask on that goes on over my ears, okay? And some of you are nodding. So I got out to the car, and I went to take my mask off, and it got caught up in my hearing aids and my glasses, and I'm like <laughs> flopping everything around. And, and I, just, I, I just blurted out, how many more things am I going to have to hang off of my ears? Okay. And, uh, you know, we had a repairman come to the house, and uh, the guy was leaving, and as he uh, left, uh, you know, we both extended our hands to shake hands as we finalized the deal. And, uh, and then we realized quickly, oh, no, we don't shake hands anymore. So I went to give him a fist bump, and he went to give me an elbow bump. And then I realized, oh, we're elbow bumping. So then I shifted to an elbow bump, and he shifted to a fist bump. And so we stood there in the entryway doing the chicken dance. <laughs> For a minute or two. Life can get complicated. And, uh, and actually, uh, not just with silly mundane things like, uh, you know, masks and handshakes, but, um, you know, as a pastor, I just recognize that uh, life's getting complicated for you guys, relationally, uh, financially, uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and uh, it can get complicated to the point where we get mired down with all this stuff. And uh, maybe, you know, you get hit with a health problem, and now you've got the doctor's appointments and trying to manage all that, and you've got the issue of medications, uh, you've got kids asking tough questions about life, and maybe they're schooling at home now rather than at school, and, and you're just not sure what's going on there. Uh, many of us are carrying a, a load of grief as we've uh, lost uh, someone we love, and, and, or our relationships have changed. 
because of the pandemic and, and other changes in life. Workplaces have changed. Uh, you know, people are working from home more. Uh, you know, or maybe there's some other adjustment that's been made in the workplace that's affected you. And all of these complications, we, we, we can get stuck. And often when we get stuck, the only way to get unstuck is to unload some stuff, lighten your load, so you can get some traction and start moving again. So really, one of the benefits of being stuck is it's an opportunity to evaluate your life and to simplify your life. And now when we want to simplify our lives, we usually start on the outside. We think, you know, I'm going to get rid of this thing, I'll sell that, I'll give that away, I'll stop doing this, and we start making these changes on the outside. But Jesus Christ doesn't start on the outside. Uh, Jesus starts on the inside, the inside of us. And he invites us to do four simple things. On your notes, on the screen here, on the app, here we go. Number one, simplify the way you speak. Simplify the way you speak. And you can do that in two areas. One, you simplify the way you speak to people. To people. Uh, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Uh, in 1923, almost a century ago, Warren G. Harding uh, was the president and he died suddenly of a heart attack and his vice president, who was Calvin Coolidge. Coolidge had been the governor of Massachusetts and he was the vice president. He became president. And Coolidge was, was known as a man of very few words, a, a remarkable trait for a politician. But, but, but Coolidge, uh, you know, in fact, he was a man of so few words that they nicknamed him Silent Cow. And one time a successful businessman asked him, he says, you know, uh, President Coolidge, why don't you talk more? Why don't you use more words? And Coolidge said, many times I only say yes or no to people. And even that's too much. It'll stir them up for 20 minutes. Okay. Uh, his wife, uh, First Lady Grace Coolidge, tells the story of a, of a chatty young woman who sat next to President Coolidge at a dinner party, and uh, when she sat down, she told President Coolidge, she said, I've made a bet with one of my friends that I can get you to say more than two words in conversation during dinner. And Coolidge didn't bat an eye, didn't even look at her, he simply said, you lose, and didn't utter another peep all night. Now, that, now, I'll admit that's a bit excessive on Coolidge's part, but I also truly believe that all of us could benefit from using less words. If we would just dial back the rhetoric, if we would just say less, soften our words. I mean, it, we just live in an especially highly charged atmosphere at this point, and all of our words carry so much weight. And, and I just would in, encourage all of us, myself included, to just die. Listen, people, we're scaring the kids, okay? We're scaring the kids. We're scaring the old people. I know, because I'm one of them, and you're scaring me, okay? So let, let's, just, let's just let our yes be yes, our no be no, and just pull back on the rhetoric. Uh, Jesus is also saying that we need to be honest uh, with our words, to have integrity with our words, not be sneaky or have any guile in our words. Uh, have you noticed how complicated life can get because of a single lie? 
And uh, you, you've seen that in your own life. You know, a situation comedies will, will make a whole uh, episode on somebody lying. At the start of the episode, somebody will lie to somebody, and then you, for the next 30 minutes, you just see how complicated it gets as they try and sort everything out. And on TV, it's funny. But in real life, when you have to face the complications and the consequences of it, uh, it it's not so funny. So Jesus says, you know, you want to make your life more simple, um, use less words, be more honest with people. Uh, second way we can simplify our, our, our speech is simplify the way that you speak to God. Uh, you know, we can have a hard time uh, keeping it simple when we talk to God, but that, that's what Jesus tells us to do. In Matthew 6.6, 6, Matthew 6.6, 6, he says, when you pray, go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And so Jesus says, just simplify your prayer life. Just go into your room, close the door, talk to God. Uh, one translation uh, says, go into your closet. And uh, maybe you've heard the term a prayer closet. And um, th there's a closet manufacturer. They advertise their products with this slogan. They say, our business isn't about wooden poles and shelves and drawers. It's really a lifestyle. And I, I hear that and I think, it's not a lifestyle, it's a closet. It's a closet. But I get what they're trying to tap into. They're trying to tap into something in all of us where we think, you know, if I could just get my closets organized, uh, life would be better. If I could just get my garage cleaned out, I I'd be fulfilled. You know, your marriage is falling apart, your finances are going nowhere, you don't know where your kids are, and you're thinking, it'll all be okay if I can just sort these socks. Okay? And Jesus says, no, you want to make your life simpler? Don't start on the outside. Start on the inside. And think about how you talk to God. Do you talk to him honestly? Are you able to just be yourself? Matthew 6, 6 in the message paraphrase. I love how, how they do this. It says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. If you'll just begin to simplify the way that you speak to God, Jesus says everything else will be simpler. You'll, just, you'll sense God's grace. God will become the focus of your life and, and, and everything will be better. It starts on the inside. Uh, sometimes we, we, we think that we've got to impress God uh, with our prayer. And, and we think, boy, if I can just pray an impressive prayer, God will look down from heaven and go, wow, that is the greatest prayer I've ever heard. I'm going to print that out and hang it on the wall of heaven with the original footprints poem, you know. And... Uh, <laughs> But that's not what God desires. You know, Jesus told a story of two men praying in the temple. Uh, one was a, a religious man, and the other was a dishonest tax collector. And the religious man stood up, and he prayed very loud, booming voice so everybody could hear, God, thank you that I'm not like that slimy tax collector over there. Uh, I'm more holy than he is. And then the thieving tax collector prayed and said, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, which prayer do you think God heard? You know, God heard the one where the, where the guy was just honest about himself and was honest 
with God because God prefers honest prayers to pious prayers. And so we start on the inside and we work our way out to make life simpler. You, you simplify the way you speak to other people. You simplify the way you speak to God. Second thing Jesus advises us to do, commands us to do. He says, simplify the way you act. Simplify the way you act in relationship to other people. Because relationships can get complicated. You know, what do I do? When do I do it? How do I do it? When do I do it next? When do I stop? You know, it, it, it just gets complicated. Uh, I grew up in a, a simple farm family in Iowa. And, uh, you know, uh, most of our dishes and silverware didn't match. And, in fact, uh, we, we never set the table. And so, uh, you know, I didn't even know where the fork went when I was in high school. And the first time I sat down in a nice restaurant, I, there, was, there were multiple plates and different glasses, and there were all these forks and silverware lined up. And I'm thinking, you know, which one do you use? And i got to use the right one when I eat the shrimp, or they're going to think I'm a goofball. Little did they know. <laughs> but my old English teacher, uh, Kayla Ford, and, and I wrote this down as my old English teacher, but I realized since then that she was younger than I am now. And, um, but my old English teacher, Kayla Ford, she taught us a very simple rule about silverware and, and about how they serve the food. And she said, you just start with the silverware that's on the outside and work your way in as they, as they bring you food. And, uh, you know, that, that simple rule really helped to clear up a complicated situation. And Jesus gave us a simple rule for relationships. But in typical Jesus fashion, he, it's not you start from the outside and work your way in. With Jesus, you start with the inside and work your way out in your relationships. Matthew 7, 12, he said this. He said, here's a simple rule of thumb guide of behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Okay, that's the inside. What, what, what am I feeling inside that I'd like others to do for me? Then grab the initiative and do it for them. That's the outside. So you work from the inside out. It's called the golden rule. And the rule is you treat others the way that you want them to treat you. But sometimes we live by a different rule. We, we live by the reciprocal rule. Uh, I'm going to treat others the way they've treated me. And so, you know, not the way I want to be treated, but the way they've treated me. So you're nice to me, I'm nice to you. Uh, you, you snub me, I'm going to snub you. You're mean to me, I'm going to snub you, be mean to you. And, and that's how we complicate our relationships, because when you start, you know, we're just reciprocating on one another. And when you're doing that, now you've got to keep score. And you've got to remember, where are we at in this? What have you done to me? What have I done to you? Where are we at? It gets very complicated. We can complicate it even more, and that's when we treat others the way somebody else has treated me. So your husband, your wife, your kids, you treat them the way that somebody else treated you, maybe when you were growing up. Uh, you know, the way your parents treated you impacts how you treat your family today. Or maybe the, the way a, a former spouse treated you in a marriage. Maybe something as simple as how you've been treated at work. You come home and uh, you bring that hurt home with you and, and transfer it to your family. It, it just gets very complicated. And then we can even step it up from there a notch and we can treat people 
the way we think they're going to treat us. Okay? You know, before they even treat us that way, uh, they haven't done anything yet, but I'm going to get them before they get me. Uh, Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. A little kid got it wrong, and he said, do one to others before they do one to you. Okay? Uh, Jesus says, no, no, keep it simple. Treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, there's a, an honest human question about this, and that is, well, if I live that way, if I treat other people that way, am I going to get taken advantage of? Am I going to let down my guard? Am I going to be so vulnerable if I treat people that way that I'm going to get plowed under? Uh, you know, is this really going to work? Well, look what Jesus says in Matthew 23. He says, here's the truth about life. Do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to simply be yourself, then your life will count for plenty. You want your life to count for plenty? Then, then, then think of what you'd like other people to do for you and then do it for them. You know, stop trying to protect ourselves, stop trying to position ourselves for our benefit, and instead start thinking about, okay, what, what do other people want me to do for them? And then step up and do it. Jesus says there's no better way to stand out than to do that. It uncomplicates your life. Third thing Jesus tells us is that we need to simplify the way you live. And, uh, you know, and you've got to be careful. You, you can't start here. We have a tendency to want to start here. But you also can't stop here. The, the, the real goal is for the inside change to impact the outside. You, know, you don't start with the outside, but you don't ignore the outside either. At some point, the, the principle of simplicity starts to work itself out in, in your life. And an uncomplicated life uh, can feel really good. And maybe you've never, never tried this, maybe you, you've never, uh, never experienced it, maybe you've forgotten how good it can feel to start to simplify your life, to unload some of the things that are complicating and, and, and burdening your life. We, we can have a tendency to store up, to, to hold on to, to even hoard, thinking, what, I might need this someday. You know, when we're living life out of a sense of fear and want, we're living life out of a sense of need. It causes us to hang on. Well, I'm going to feel bad if I get rid of that. And we forget. We, we forget. Or maybe we've never experienced how freeing it is to be able to walk around in your basement. To be able to sweep uh, the floor. To be able to park in your garage. To be able to sit down at an organized desk. Uh, to pay off a debt, to eliminate a bill, to simplify your checkbook, to be able to, to take something out of your calendar and find some margin. More isn't going to simplify your life. Less is going to simplify your life. And so you begin to cut back and to clear out and to turn loose of, of things on the outside. And you can do that because your soul is full. Because your soul is full. But the pace of life, the hurriedness of life, the hecticness of the lives that we live, sometimes we just get so busy that we don't know where to turn next. And we just live in, in a world where things are complicated. I mean, there is so much information to process. There are so many ways that we're interconnected. We live in a very complicated, a very connected world. And our time-saving devices often become time-slaving devices. 
You know, the very things that we're supposed to help uh, are the things that are enslaving you. And, and it's like now we're connected all the time to everything and everybody. Every minute of the day, we're connected. And, you know, when you're working from home all the time, it's hard to sort out. When am I at work? When am I at home? You know, when am I doing this? When am I doing that? In regards to media, we, we were not created to consume the amount of information, opinions, facts, and rumors that we are bombarded with on any given day. If you're going to simplify how you live, you've got to find a way to disconnect. At least some of the time. I mean, it's important to communicate with others. It's important to be connected to other people. But there is something really healthy about having a time where you disconnect and, and where you step away from all of that. Uh, you know, we've just come out of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and some of you have done media fast, and, and you realize the benefit of just maybe having a 24-hour period where you don't watch any TV, you don't listen to any radio, you don't read or watch the news. Uh, in theory, you don't even text, email, or talk on the phone. And I say in theory because when I've tried this, I, that's when I realize how constantly connected I am. Uh, I remember the, the first time I ever did a media fast, I, I was just struck with how many times my phone rings and dings. And how many texts you get when you try to disconnect. And, and, I, and what I noticed was that every time my phone would ring or ding, I would flinch. I would flinch. And my guess is you probably flinch too. And that's a sign that you need some breathing space in your life. You know, if I get one more call from Scam Likely, <laughs> I don't know if you have that feature or not, but invariably I'm busy doing something, I'll be on a ladder or doing something or in the other room, my phone will ring, I'll run in there, it says Scam Likely. And I'm like, well, if you know that, just hang up on the guy and don't even let it ring. But we've got to build some breathing space into, into our life. Jesus understood the need for this. You know, Jesus was on earth for 33 years. His ministry only lasted three years. And he changed the world. He changed eternity in only three years. And throughout that three-year period, Jesus Christ recognized the need to disconnect. Even in his day. Uh, Mark 6.31 the Bible says this about Jesus and his followers. It says, then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And I want you to circle three things, three things out of that verse. And those of you who know me uh, might think that one of the things is a chance to eat, uh, but uh, we're not, that's not the one, Okay. First one is, uh, circle, come with me. Come with me. Uh, you know, I need time to be with Jesus. I need time to be with Jesus. You know, the one who loves me the most, the one who made me, the one who understands me better than anybody else. And number two, circle by yourselves. Uh, you, you know, you, you need time with Jesus. You need a community time, large group time. You need a small group time. Uh, but you also need some alone time with Jesus. And, uh, you know, it's just part of disconnecting and simplifying your life. And then circle uh, the phrase, a quiet place. So I'm with Jesus by myself in a quiet place. Uh, in, in Christian circles, we call that a quiet time. And for mi uh, millions of believers, for literally thousands of years, have had the habit 
of spending just a few minutes every day uh, doing this. Just a few minutes in a quiet time with Jesus. You disconnect, you get some breathing space. You read a verse or two of the Bible, you ask God what he's saying to you through those verses, you have an opportunity to talk to God about what's going on in your life. It's not a half hour, an hour, two hours. No, it's just 10, 15 minutes each day connecting with God and thinking about what's important to him. You know, your focus will shift from you to God. Philippians 4.8 says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. When do you have time to think about those kind of things if you don't build it into your life? You know, you just jump into the day and get started, and then you're just filled up with, with the concerns of family and work and relationships and, and, and all this other stuff. You know, you, you got time to talk to everybody who rings your phone. Uh, when do you have time to think about things that are good and pure and lovely and admirable? When do you have time to let God speak to you? If you don't make time to do that, it, it's not going to happen. But it's amazing what a few minutes a day Jesus by yourself in a quiet place can do. You do that, it'll fill you on the inside so you can deal with the stuff on the outside. It'll help you simplify the way you live. Number four, Jesus tells us to simplify the way you believe. The way you believe. We, we tend as humans to try and make faith, to make belief complicated. Do this, don't do that, be there, don't be there, call this person this, call that person that, stand up, sit down, sing this, say that. You know, I mean, we're just not even sure how all that works together. But Jesus says that you've got to simplify the way you believe. And, and if, if this whole matter of faith is complicated for you, don't despair. It, it, it's that you're not alone in this. It, again, it's a human tendency. And many people have felt that faith is complicated. First followers of Jesus uh, came to Jesus. They, they said, this is just com complicated. We can't figure this out. Matthew 18, they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know, there's 12 disciples, there's some other close followers, and then there's all these other people. And they wanted to know, okay, where does everybody stand here? You know, what's the hierarchy here? Jesus, we need some organizational structure. We need to understand the pecking order. You're number one. Who's number two? Who's number three? Jesus wasn't about to let that happen. Instead of assigning levels of power, here's what, it, what he did in Matthew 18. Jesus called a little child to him. Wouldn't you like to have been that kid? You know, Jesus called a little child to him, and he stood the child before his followers, and then he said, I tell you the truth. You must change, you're not like this normally, you must change and become like little children. Otherwise, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, don't be worrying about who's the greatest. If you're focused on that, you may not even get in. The greatest person in the kingdom of heaven is the one who makes himself humble like this child. You know, you want to uncomplicate faith? Then become like a little child. Well, what does that mean? How, how do you do that? What's he talking about? You know, little kids don't put on airs. The, there's no pretension with a little kid. I mean, you're sitting in a restaurant with a bunch of people. A four-year-old never says, uh, you know, I'll take care of the check. I got this one, guys. You know, they don't even think about that stuff. 
They, they, they know somebody's going to take care of the needs. They, it's fine with them. They don't worry about it. But something happens to us as we grow older and, and, and we begin to think, I've got to do this on my own. I've got to take care of this. I've got to handle this. I can't depend on anyone else. If it's to be, it's up to me. And in that moment, Jesus says, life starts to get very complicated. And you need to go back to the place where you say to God, God, I depend on you. It's not on me. It's on you. That's faith. And it's difficult. It's difficult to be humble, especially in regards to our sin. Romans 3.22 says, we are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. When we trust not in ourselves, we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved in the same way, no matter who we are or what we've done. You know, it takes humility to admit that I've sinned. It takes greater humility to admit that my sinful things that I've done have hurt me, they've hurt other people, the ones I love, they hurt God. It takes the greatest humility to admit there's nothing I can do to make it right. There, there's no way. I'm powerless to make it right. And that's where religion gets really complicated. You know, when we, when, when we build a religion, there's lots of religions around the world, and, and what makes Christianity stand out from all the others is all the others are trying to come up with ways where you can do the right thing to pay for the wrong things that you've done. It's trying to show you the way that you can make right what you've done wrong. And Christianity says it's impossible. You can't even do it. In fact, you don't even need to do it because Jesus has done it for you. That's the power of the gospel. Jesus says, that's not the way it works. No, you don't have to take care of this. I've done it. I've done it for you. Depend on me. Jesus died on the cross to purchase our forgiveness. It doesn't come through what I do. It comes through what he's already done. He paid our, He picked up the tab for us. And so if you want to simplify your faith, Jesus says, become like a child, depend on me. There's a man named Jairus uh, in the Gospels. He came to Jesus one day and uh, told him that his daughter was sick. In fact, his daughter was so sick that she was at, almost at the point of death. And they tried everything to cure her. Nothing had worked. And so Jairus was afraid she's going to die. And he asked Jesus to come and heal her. And Jesus said he would. And so as they're on the way to Jairus' house, uh, all of a sudden these other people start coming to Jesus, and Jesus is healing them, taking care of them. And Jairus is, is getting concerned, because Jesus, come on, we got to get going. Uh, you know, my daughter's dying. And they were almost to Jairus' house, and, and the, the people from his house came and said, never mind, uh, she's dead, nothing the master can do, um, all hope is gone. And so Jairus doesn't know what to do. I mean, there's this crowd pressing around Jesus. All these things are happening. Jesus is healing these other people. He's hurt. He's scared. He's worried. He's grieving. Uh, people are saying, uh, tell Jesus not to come. It's not going to work anyway. Don't bother Jesus anymore with this. And, and in the midst of all of that, something cuts through. And Jesus looks Jairus in the eye, and he says to him, don't be afraid, just trust me. Don't be afraid, just trust me. And a lot of us are like Jairus. Life's gotten pretty confusing. It's gotten pretty hurried, pretty worried. We're scared. People around saying, you know, everything's falling apart. God can't do anything. Why even hope? 
And maybe you need right here, right now, today, you need to know Jesus is looking you right in the eye and he's saying, don't be afraid. Just trust me. Just trust me. That's where it starts. Simple, childlike dependence on him. I want to give you that opportunity right now as we pray together. Let's pray. Jesus Christ is saying, don't be afraid, just trust me. Would, would, would you, in this moment, tell him that you heard him? Tell him that you're trusting him. Would you say, Jesus Christ, I, I come to you today as simply and honestly as I can. I put my trust in you. I trust you to forgive me. I trust you to show me how to live. I'm, I'm tired, tired, tired of trying to make everything right on my own. I'm tired of, of trying to organize my life. I'm tired of trying to deal with all this stuff. And so, God, I, I need you to work on me from the inside out. And so as best as I know how, I'm going to depend on Jesus Christ today to forgive me and to guide me and to teach me how to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.